Thank you so much, Scott, for joining the We Don't Play podcast show today, all the way from Australia. How are you today? Yeah, I'm good, Fader. I'm, I'm really excited about uh, about being being here with you today. I appreciate the time. You know, we're in completely different time zones. And I'm sure people are like, wow, how did this all happen? But, you know, that's the beautiful thing about technology. You know, you can be so far away, but still so close. Yes, yeah, you know, 100%. And and like we were saying, it takes a while to get used to, you know, where sort of, we might be seven hours behind, but, you know, a day ahead type of thing. But, yeah, yeah. (laughs) the world we live in today, it's uh, it's fantastic. So, Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I'm so excited that you're here to help us, you know, understand how to leverage, you know, AI copywriting software to write emails because, you know, people are using AI for all manners of things, recipes, Chrome extensions, name it, you know, food items, laundry lists, you know, all those things that everybody needs for their day. But there's some things that when you use AI for, even if it's blogging, or even email writing or copywriting, it changes the way people read those things because we have to think about the humans reading the copy and not AI reading it. So I'm excited that you're going to bring in this information to help us pretty much decipher and know how to use it correctly and not just haphazardly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and, and it's the way I sort of like it at favorites. It's like it's like any tool, right? So I don't know how to drive a I don't know how to drive a crane. So um, a crane can be used for amazing things, um, you know, in, in the construction world. But if I jumped in it with no knowledge of, of of that, I could also do a lot of damage. So yeah, that's the way I look at AI. It's uh, it's an amazing tool in the in tr- in the trained hand, so to speak. So yeah. So, so true. Wow. You know, before we even get into it deeply, I would like you to at least give us some feedback and some backstory on how you even got started. You know, how did you build your business? What did it take you to get to a point where you have copywriting that sells today? You know, just give us a little bit of the background and how you even got started. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Great, great question. So, but it all started, I, um, I'm about 45 now, I think. You know, I I ran out of, uh, I stopped counting a while ago, but I think I'm about that. But when I was about 17, I got into, um, you know, into like the hardcore selling, you know, the the cold call telemarketing, the door-to-door sales, all of that sort of thing. And from 17 to 24, I was very much on that, on that road. Then at the age of 24, I met my now wife, and it was women, call it women's intuition or whatever it was, but she saw this job at the time for, it was a job for Reader's Digest for a copywriter. And I'd already, I'd already started a business as like a marketing consultant at that end. And it was sort of like, you know, going so-so. And she's like, you got to go for this job. So anyway, I went for the job and long story short, the copywriting manager loved me, the HR manager, um, not so much. So I didn't get the job, but I got the confidence um, as such to really step out there and and you know to step out there and go into copywriting. And it was like it was like that was when I really learned the power of positioning because when I changed from being a marketing consultant at that time to copywriter, and I hit the market just at the right at the right sweet spot, uh, my income, admittedly from a low base, but at ten times. 
overnight. Um, and I think I think it came very naturally to me. Number one, because it's a it's a natural skill set, I think. But also, I'd, I'd had seven years of preparation with you know with like the hardcore selling because copywriting is essentially salesmanship in print. It's mm. putting it in the it's putting it in the written word, so to speak. So yeah. Wow. You know. As you mentioned this, I'm like, okay, these are 20 years of experience and still counting. And all, yes. all of a sudden, AI just walked through the door and took everybody's job. And people are asking, is AI going to replace copywriters? And that has been a big question people are asking. And I wanted to know from you, what are you hearing? What is the, the social audio experience like right now? It's a, it's a really interesting space in terms of um, yeah in terms of yeah will AI will, will AI, I replace copywriters? It's hard to tell because you know we don't know where it's going to go in three, five, ten years, right? Like right. with AI, at the moment, I would say no, it's not at that level where it you know, where it can do that. Where I use. AI, um, where it's, where it's extremely powerful, is from a you know from a brainstorming perspective. Because what stops people from writing is they don't know what to write about and they don't know where to get started. Right. So it does. But from a from your average business owner who's in there, it can help take away that stress. So I think copywriters, as such, are going to need to get a lot better because, like the professional copywriters. Because the average business owner has these tools, so that like if you program the if you program the AI the right way, it'll come out with a pretty good, you know, a pretty good email or a pretty good blog post or a pretty good piece of, you know, piece of copy if it's programmed, you know, the right way. That being said, you also need to inject your personality into it because let, let's face it, you know, if if we've all got the same tools at our disposal. Like the, the 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 videographer or the um, or the photographer is probably a really good example, right? So you and I, we've all got yeah, you know, we've all got the same iPhone, and yeah, you know, like we've got cameras, we've got video cameras, we've got decent, right? But if you give that, if you give an iPhone to a really professional videographer, they don't even need an, an amazing camera, right? Because they can take and edit and make footage which just makes your heart melt, right? I can't do that personally because I don't have the skill, but we still have the same tools. So I think it's going to be I think it's going to be about how do you use those tools and also understanding the psychology and the strategy behind it all. I think that's going to be really really critical. You're so right about that because one of the things that I've been noticing is clients can't decipher whether your copy was AI written or not until there is a misinformation, misinterpretation or misalignment, you know, with the brand or the voice. Because another thing too is how do you depict the, the tone of the brand that you're using this AI for? And we'd have to be the ones to do it ourselves, but AI has gone to a point where it's like, oh, do you want persuasive? 
do you want salesy do you want bold you know and you have to match up to those kind of things but sometimes the clients can't be able to decide whether they should go with the ai writer or go with the copywriter or have a mix of both what do you think yeah, yeah well, well, well it all boils down to your brand right because if you look at if you look at marketing there's many different components at it but it but it's it's like let's say if i'm writing to you and i want to be like super conservative right like my clients are really conservative um accountants and i and my brand is you know that real sort of stable sort of conservative sort of uh, angle then i'm going to write very differently than if i'm yeah than if i'm you know larger than life or i'm like a big personality and all that sort of thing. And, and you've also got to bring yourself into it. So one of the things I really suggest with AI is you can even combine two AIs, right? Like you you combine the, you know, let's say the, um, you know, something like you know, ChatGPT or Jasper or that sort of thing with something like Otter, which is a, you know, a simply a, well, it's an amazing tool. I use it a lot. Um, when I interview clients is that's like a, a transcription an AI transcription service yeah so you could get the you could write the opening with the AI so the opening copy let's say for an email and then you could say okay right now I want to tell a story about I don't know something the AI is not going to think of like you know when I was you know when I was in my 20s and I found myself in a cult right I can't get the I can't get the AI to necessarily write that and my personal story, but you can shortcut it by then bringing in a bit of the AI technology. Yeah, technology. But then, in addition to that, what you've got to then be able to do is to edit it and make it pop, and that's a, that's really a craft in it, a craft in itself. So I see it as a as a very powerful tool. Um, that yes, I think it's going to. I think it will. It will obliterate a lot of the, particularly copywriters who are not strategic in their, you know, in their thinking. Like they're just writing content or punching that. I think over the next five years, it'll be a, it'll be a very interesting space to space to watch. I think so too. You know, I'm also thinking about how businesses are outsourcing for these copywriting skills because you can go on LinkedIn and just say, "I'm looking for a copywriter." And you get a hundred subscriptions or hundred applications, but you have to figure out okay, who can use this better? And I think from what I've been seeing as well, people are starting to because of this chat GPT that is so big now, people are starting to find out if you have an added skill where you can actually leverage the AI to speed up the process than somebody who has no idea of what the AI is. Are you getting to see the same type of response as well? Yeah, I think it's a it's it's an interesting space because whenever anything like you never want to be in a skill that is commoditized, right? So if there's if there's a hundred people who can do exactly what you can do, then why would anyone pay more for like you're not going to pay twenty dollars for an apple when you can get it for two dollars, right? You just you're not going to do it if it's the same if it's the same apple. So, so I think the, the challenge, I think in any profession, whether it's copywriting or anything that could get taken over by AI, is really the strategic thinking component of it. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. so I think business owners are gonna be looking, at, looking for 
you know, those strategic thinkers who can think outside the box. Because so, let's face it, copy is, it's like, it's like laying, it's like laying bricks. Like if we apply this to, to a house, right? You get an AI bricklayer, yeah, which is great. Um, can you get a, yeah, can you get an AI designer? Maybe, do you know what I mean? Like you can get it, you can get an AI to actually design the house, mm. maybe. But for now, at least, you're still going to need someone who can ask the questions, work out what you want. Like AI isn't at the ability to where it can it can go in there and sort of say, "Hey, favor, I I can read your mind, know exactly what you want, and come back with the perfect design." Right? Like it's not it's not at that level yet. I'm going to ask you and go, "How many kids do you have?" You know, do you like swimming? Okay, well, you need a swimming pool for the home. You need this, you need that. So that's where I think that the human mind, the, the real superpower, I think, in the 21st century uh, is that strategic, the ability to think strategically and then give people what they want. Because at the end of the day, nobody wants copy. Copy is just a means to an end. They want clients. So then it becomes, okay, so how do we position you so that you stand out from the competition, so that you're, yeah, so that you're unique in this, you know, in this actual, in this actual space, and you're wanted. And then it's like, okay, based on that, when it, who are your clients? Well, your clients are, yeah, okay. Well, maybe we're going after the wrong niche. Maybe we need to go after this niche. So, which niche do we actually go after that really needs what you want to do? How do we actually position you? So that you're in a blue ocean instead of a red ocean, right? So, and this is all the this is all the thinking that goes behind really strategic copy. It's not just like like writing the copy. And this is what's really interesting: writing the copy is such a small part of being a copywriter. Yeah. So, so let's say someone like Gary Vent's Avenger. One of the things, and he's arguably the world's greatest copywriter, at least in modern times. Yeah. And he said. 40% research, 40% copy, and 20% editing. I would find, I always find I spend a lot more time on editing than, yeah, than 20%. Um, but copy is actually probably the, the least part, definitely less than 50% of actual, of actual real copywriting. Mm. And that's the, that's the things which need to be brought into it. Because it's like going, okay, now we've got, let's say you go, now we've got someone who can, um, uh, we've got an AI bricklayer. Does that put the builder out of business? Not really, because you need the plumber, you need this, you need that, you need all of these other components. Does it shift the game significantly when you've got an AI designer, an AI writer, an AI this, an AI that? It does, it shifts the game. So I think it's gonna be a really interesting space, but it's never been more important to well, no matter what profession you're in, whether you're in copywriting, whatever, to be critically thinking and to be upskilling so that you don't become commoditized in these days. Because I think, yeah, there's a lot of industries which which are at, are at risk of that. That is true. You know, as you were mentioning that, what came to my mind was the value of time over money and vice versa. Because if you have... A company and you have budget for five copywriters on your team but you have AI support you can cut down two or three and use those other people to use that AI instead of having a brainstorming session for 50 minutes or 45 minutes you could have it in 20 minutes and do the editing like you said 
Now, how do you think that's going to play a role, at least in 2023, you know, when it comes to budgeting and that value of time and money? Yeah, so I think anything that can be commoditized, um, I mean, as a business owner, they're going to do it, right? Like, so it's like if you, I don't know, like, like if we look at, let's say, factories, right? Before, yeah, like, like initially, when you had low-end technology, you're using that and you're employing more people to build your cars. But as that technology comes in, you let the technology do the work and then you employ less people to do the cars, but maybe they're... They understand the technology a bit better, all of that sort of thing. So I think that that's, that's definitely what's going to happen. And that's no different than what's happened historically. It's just we've got a different type of technology that's come into the space. So I think that that's very true. So for instance, if we look at copywriting, for, for instance, like I, I work with a, with a client and one of the things that he's, he's doing a whole like content plan for his for his, uh, you know, for for a new business, and yeah, he goes through and he, he gets the AI to come up with all the potential angles for the content, and then he takes the he takes the angles and then he breaks that down and says, you know, give me twenty headlines to go through, and then I'll sit with him and I'll go through and I'll say, we need to, yeah, that's a good headline, that's a good headline, that's a good headline, that's a good headline, but I'm not writing the headlines right. The AI is thinking about it, but then I'll see a headline. And there were some crackers which you came out with yesterday. I'll see a headline and I'll say, okay, we need to rewrite it like this. Or we need to, but I wouldn't have that idea if I didn't see the headline in the first place, if right. that makes sense. So yeah. it's it's really, and, and the same when I write, because I write, I mean, I've got a client I write with and they've got an email list of like 2 million people. And I just do like the, yeah, the email subject lines for them, right? So, but, so what I'll do, I don't use the A. Generally, I'll write the the head, yeah, the the headlines. I'll write it myself, but I will use the AI for brainstorming, and I'll plug it in, and it'll come back with like it can come up with ten headlines, ideas like that. They might not be the best headlines, but they trigger ideas that I wouldn't have otherwise had, so to speak. So, and I can get them to come up with a hundred ideas. Do you know what I mean? And then go through. And go, I like that, I don't like that, I like that. Oh, we can twist that and turn it into this. So it's an amazing, it's almost like having a brainstorming buddy where you go, hey, what do you think of this? You know, but it's fast. Yeah, it's actually a heck of a lot faster because it does in two seconds what, you know, it would take us to sit down and work out, you know, in 10 minutes sort of thing. So that's where it's, it's very powerful, powerful today. Yeah, I agree with you 100% because now it got me thinking again because now as you're speaking, I'm also thinking and I'm like, oh, I'm sure the audience is also thinking the same way. You know, if you send out your email to your list of 2 million people, have you seen a difference in how you deliver the emails and the response you get as far as open rates and click-through rates compared to before the AI was, do you see like a drastic difference or do you see the same thing within the same scope? I mean, it, it, it's hard to, it's hard to tell in terms of like the specifics because you'll see, and I haven't gone through and like analyze, you know, with the client and gone, you know, what's the difference with these emails and those emails. Um, what I do notice is there's a, there's definitely a difference in terms of the ideas and the speed that I can that I can sort of act with 
because I can plug it in, get those ideas back and, and sort of go for it. Having said that at that level, but keep in mind, I'm writing at a, at a very high level. So, so because it's going to 2 million people, like to come up with one, there's a subject line and a bit of a, you know, a paragraph underneath it. But if, to come up with that, I'm reading the article, I'm going through it, and I'm spending sort of 30 to 40 minutes just to come up with two headlines, right? So, whereas if you write an email, if you're a small business and you're you're doing this yourself, right? So you're like, you're like, you know, you've got 500 people on your list, you write the email, you need a headline, you're probably not gonna spend 30 or 40 minutes on that headline, right? Because the leverage isn't there. You know, 500 versus 2 million, mm. you're gonna spend more energy to get it open at 2 million, you've got, and, and, and a small business has competing priorities, yeah. So they got, they got, yeah, things pulling in each direction. The leverage isn't really there to spend a, a heck of a lot of time. So what you do is you write the email, and then you put a command under the email. And, you, and what what um, what 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 you can do is you can and and, and I, I I've developed this system where you go write yeah you know, ten curiosity headlines, write ten angry headlines, write ten. Um, you know, tabloid style headlines uh, or subject lines if it's an email. And it'll, it'll literally come up with them and it'll come up with them with slightly different angles depending if it's a angry headline, a curiosity, a tabloid style. Like I've got about 10 or 12 different variations, but it comes up with different angles depending on how you program the AI to, yeah, just, just you know, like um, just to mix it up a bit. And then you take those ideas and you go, okay, there's 30 ideas. Okay, I like that one, I like that one, I can tweak that one, bang, that's my subject line. And that can be done literally within, I mean, that can be done within a minute or two, do you know what I mean? To, to actually get those, get the 30 ideas and, and, then, and then choose one sort of thing. So yeah, that's, that's a real advantage for your everyday, you know, yeah, for, for most businesses um, with, with subject lines and that sort of thing. I think so too, because the, the subject line, it also gets me thinking about the SEO factor because, you know, you only click on a subject line or even taking you all the way back in time when you had a newspaper and you're looking at all the tabloids and you're like, oh, this is a good topic. You're going to pick it because it struck that curiosity and it also brought in that ecological framework because now you're tapping into that IDA framework as well. When people are reading things, they're trying to read the first three lines and skim through the last three lines or the last three words and to see, okay, is this going to help me or not? And if you find something that is striking, whether it's like an odd number or something of that sort, it can bring, you know, some type of excitement or oh, three ways to boil eggs. You'll be like, huh? You know, so it's like you have different things that can come in the mix that can change the way you open things and that email subject line could not even it may not even be anything to do with the email from what i've noticed so i'm wondering from what you've experienced you know how does that play a role in the the size of the email as far as text and as far as being concise with your copy like is long copy as good as short copy or should you be as quick and you know hey this is a line this is a title this is a context click here and move on or do you want to give them like a scroll for them to enjoy reading so they can forward it to their friends 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I think it's a mix, right? You know, mm-hmm. particularly let's say with the email copy. Like, like the long copy is great because it builds trust. So if we look yeah. at someone like Marcus Sheridan, he wrote a book called They Ask You Answer, and he was more referring to blogs. Okay. But what he found is if someone had absorbed 30 or more pieces of content, the actual, when, when they got to a sales meeting and he was, he had a business swimming, selling swimming pools, mm-hmm. the conversion rate jumped from the average in their industry of 10% up to 80%. Um, and if they'd read like 30 blogs, and he said one time he had someone come in and they'd read like, I don't know, 500 of his blogs or something like that. And they literally just came in and they were, you know, they didn't even talk to him. They were just, you know, signed and they were, they were ready to go sort of thing. So that's the power of the, of the longer copy, yeah. So, so but then you've, then you've got the short copy. Like if you're writing long copy, because the thing with email, yeah, is you don't get, and this is why a lot of people don't do it if they go oh, email doesn't work or something like that now according to litmus.com email gets a 36 times ROI um, for every dollar spent so you compare that to socials or anything like that it's just off the charts incredible but when you send an email you might read it but you don't like it you don't comment on it you don't do any of that sort of thing so so I, I as a sender Right, I go, it's almost like this bias. I don't get any dopamine hits, serotonin hits of, 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 of seeing these likes and these comments and you know, all of this sort of social proof. Mm. Um, so, so, so then I go, oh, well, yeah, nobody's reading it. But then you can send out like these short emails and, and, and like Dean Jackson talks about this, like a nine word email. So, um, high favor, uh, yeah, are you still thinking about you know, investing in email copywriting. High favor, are you still thinking about you know, building a home? You know, so whatever whatever it is, and, and it's just like it's just, just like that. You know, and it might just say quick question, or it might just have your name in the subject line. That question, bang, nothing else. Yeah, and that they, they get some now obviously you can't send that out every day, you know, mm. like because it'd get it'd get a bit monotonous. But you throw one of them in the mix and they're, they're the most responsive um, things. And then if you know how to follow them up, you can turn them into leads and clients and, and all of that sort of thing. So it's a, it's a mix. It's like a, it's like a communication, right? Like, like it's like salesmanship in print. So, you know, if we're, you know, when do you talk for longer and when do you talk for shorter? Okay, it's different, situ- it's different situations. You're going to adapt what you're going to do, um, you know. So, so that's just the way it is. Uh, yeah, that, that's just the way human communication works. It, it all depends on the context of the situation and what you're trying to achieve. So, if you're working with a really high D uh, manager, you know, and they ask you something, you might just say yes. That's it. One word, bang. But if you're talking with something that really needs explanation, you're going to go deeper and talk in. In those sort of tones, and I think it's very much the same, uh, the same with uh, you know with email. But another point you made about you know the top part of the of the copy being so critical. One thing that you can do, and I, I'm putting together a report about this at the moment, like how to carve out blog posts and turn them into emails. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so you go through and you carve up the specific blogs. Like let's say you've got a 2,000 word blog post. So you carve it up and you go, okay, that, well, that can make eight emails and you take the copy and then you put a top on it. So you get the AI to go write an opening for this and then you get the AI to go write a closing for this and then you ask the AI to write a, to write a subject line for this. 
and all of a sudden one blog post could be turned into you know, 5, 10, 15 uh, sort of specific, you know, specific emails that you can then use to send out to your list and build trust with your list. That's big. Now, <laughs> wow. The, the psychology of this is so important because now um, I'm wondering about color. You know, because some people think, oh, if something is red or blue or green or yellow, it, it, it can, makes you feel some type of way. And when you look at Google, you know, Google has, I think, four or five colors, but they specifically used blue for you to click on when you now scroll on the Google search feed. And, you know, people resonate blue with trust or with confidence. That's why banks are also in blue and other businesses that use blue. So how effective does color play a role when it comes to email and copy? To, to email and copy? It, it's an interesting question. I, I wouldn't say I'm an expert in color. Like I'm aware of stuff like, you know, blue you know, is, like a, is like a high trust word or if you want to be like vibrant, you might use a, you know, like the, I know women who are in the, like let's say the women's coaching type of, industry and they might have like a lot of pink in their brand and all of that sort of thing so i think it's i think it's important um i wouldn't say that i'm an yeah i mean i i have enough knowledge in that yeah in the space of color to be able to give you like a really compelling answer what 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 i what i'd like to touch on though is the yeah like with that with the ai images Mm. i do think that they're really useful like one of the things that I do let's say with my LinkedIn is I'll write my LinkedIn post and then I will let's say I'm doing it um, from a story perspective like yesterday I did one and I think I started out you know with something along the lines of it made me cry and or it almost made me cry and it was talking about my first experience in business and the challenges I went through and all that sort of thing so then I plugged into the AI an image of like yeah of a of a man crying and it came back something you know like you can do it in you can do it in uh, this is within Jasper which I use so you can do it in pop art you can get it to come out in uh, anime you can get it to come out in virtually like they've got like a dozen different types of types of art right and uh, so you can plug it in and you can sort of get those pattern interrupt images which sort of yeah, like you get all these variations and you go, hey, that's going to, because that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to, if you're scrolling through the feed or even on an email, you're trying to interrupt their their, their pattern and go, oh, I want to pay attention to this. Mm-hmm. So AI from an images perspective, I think is, a, is, is quite powerful, particularly at the moment because people just aren't used to it, if that makes sense. Like it's, it's an edge until it's not an edge when everyone can use it that sort of thing or everyone can use it now but when everyone knows about it and starts using it sort of thing so yeah that is so true thank you so much for clarifying that because now it now lets people know that you just can't depend on ai 100 percent. you need to have a skill and have that base to actually ask those sophisticated questions to get a sophisticated answer Yes, and it's all about the prompts, right? Like the prompts, the commands, all that sort of thing with AI. So, um, like one of the things we do, let's say within um, when I'm writing AI emails, is we create like an email blueprint beforehand, 
and we put that on um, we put that on the left hand side of the AI so we plug all that all that in so it talks about the fears of your customers the pains the desires the the um, yeah the ramifications if they don't act all of that sort of thing gets plugged into the blueprint mm -hmm. and then you can actually write emails with just a I call them a jack-in-the-box opener, where you where you write just 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 one word, right, and then you click on, and then you and then you click for I call them sentence starters, and then you let the AI write the, write the next bit, and then you go into the um, so like a problem solution, which is a typical copywriting thing. So you do the the jack-in-the-box opener, which talks about the problem, and then you and then you do a solution prompt, which talks about the solution, and that can be that can be a really good email which then you can send out to your list and you can always add a bit of yourself in there and, and that sort of thing. But that's, and that's, and then obviously you can personalize it, you can tailor it, uh, all of that sort of thing. But the thing that holds most people back from writing is they're like, I don't think I'm a good writer. Uh, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to talk about, all of that sort of thing. And the AI sort of overcomes that. It also, I think, trains you. Like I was talking to someone yesterday and he's like, yeah, I'm actually becoming a better writer because the AI is training me you know, on how to do it. You know, like because I plug it in and it, it writes it back and they're like, oh yeah, that, that's that's actually really good. Yeah, a really good concept. So it sort of trains us and coaches us. The same as I imagine it would if you were a coder or something like that and you see a, you plug it in and you get all this coding script back and you're like, oh, that's how you do it. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So, I think it's very powerful from that perspective. That's beautiful. You know, I wanted to even ask you this question real quickly on, you know, the success stories because now that people are now thinking about AI, copy, how do you structure it? How do you prompt it? Would you have any example of a client that you've worked with in the recent past that, you know, didn't have that confidence in AI and then you showed them how? how powerful it could be and it transformed their business 360? Yeah, so, so I've, I've had some people who've been using it um, quite a bit, like it's, it's very early days, so I don't have success stories where it's like, hey, I started using it and all of a sudden, you know, I've made you know, half a million dollars or, or something, you know, something along those sort of lines. But I've got clients going through my course at the moment where they're starting to send out regular leads, regular emails, and they're starting to get leads and book their appointments and and that sort of thing, um, as a you know as a as a result of you know, of sending out emails. Because the thing with email is most people don't send yeah you know, the majority of people with email lists, and I, I look at it as a what's the word for it? It's almost like a it's untapped gold, right? It's like having gold in your backyard and not sending it. And almost every business who's been in business for any period of time has it because if you've got 50 clients, you really should be sending out emails. And and that's that's what's starting to happen. As you start, as you start to send them out, you're building trust, you're building relationship. Mm -hmm. And this is a, an important thing as well in terms of the size of the size of the list. Like I, I know a guy and he does um, a lot of uh, like joint sort of reciprocal emails with his with his clients and he sent an email, he had a guy who sent an email to his list with 33 people in it. Eight people turned up to the webinar, 
four people, no, eight people registered for the webinar, four people turned up, three people bought, and they generated about $9,000 worth of revenue, right, from 33 people. Wow. Uh, now they were they were all clients. They had he had high trust with them, high value, all that sort of thing. Now that same guy has sent out to lists of ten thousand people and not got the same result as they got with thirty three people. Hmm. So the other thing, like I found years ago, and this was a real eye opener for me. Uh, I did a promotion of a product. It was about a thousand dollars, and we did a launch and we sold forty. Um, through the launch and then I, I, I dissected who each of those clients were right like where they were on my list 32 of them came from where I had a, uh, a paid newsletter at the time with, with about 180 people on it 32 of them came from the 180 8 came from the 7,200 or, or whatever that around 7,200 no 7,200 or 7,800 or whatever it was, but only eight sales came from that, 32 came from the 180. So it's not about the size of the list, it's about the relationship with the list, which is a really, which is a super critical thing. Thank you so much for that, because a lot of people feel like, like you've mentioned the 500, they're like, oh, my list is so small, I don't... I don't have two million, I can never get there. You know, they just put themselves down, forgetting that the 500 people are waiting for them to build something strong that could lead to referrals and lead to all those other things. So I like that you said that, you know, relationship is key in emailing because you trust that person. And for them to even give you your email is already an act of trust because you can't just give someone's email just like that, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, 100%, 100%. And one thing that um, I always come back to is like Joe Girard, right? The greatest salesperson in the world and um, greatest car salesperson in the world. And one of the things that he did is if he got a client, he would keep in touch with them every month until they, you know, until, well, he would just keep in touch with them, right? He'd send them a letter. You know, happy January, Joe Girard. You know, happy January, I like you, Joe Girard, or whatever it was. He would just keep in touch with them, and that was a big part of him becoming one of the best salespeople. Now, one of the one of the rules he had was a rule of 250. He calls it in his book. Uh, I think it, I forget the name. Of the book. I think his book is called How to Sell Anything to Anybody. But he talks about the rule of 250, and he says every person has a relationship with 250 people. So, if you're what that means is if you're sending an email to 100 people, your potential exposure is 100 times 250. Uh, which is twenty five thousand. Yeah. So, so, and it's the same with, it's the same with, you know, if you're putting content on LinkedIn or you're doing stuff on, you know, any of the the social media platforms. Is don't just think of that person, think of the whole picture. Now, the other thing to consider with email, like if you could, you know, get in front of, you know, you're communicating like with even with a list of a hundred people. If they're good contacts, if they're clients, you're communicating with a hundred people at once. Now, let's say you're in a business, your average dollar sale is ten thousand dollars, right? Uh, and maybe your average value of a client is fifty thousand dollars. So, if you send an email a week, which I think is quite conservative, an email a week, and you get one client out of that worth fifty thousand dollars, each email you're sending is worth a thousand dollars. Based on that, you're making a thousand. Now you might not make it from the first. You might not make it from the twenty-first. But if you're consistent, you know, 
then you know that then so, so that's a way to think about it whereas a lot of people will go i'll send one email i'll send two emails i'll send three emails oh yeah the world's not rocking i'll stop right yeah which is you know like yeah and, and that's no different than, than sales in the old days or yeah it's the same with social media with I- anything right you know like even with your podcast you know you have to be consistent to build like strong relationships yeah that that is really the key if you just if you just run one it's a compound effect of you know doing it over and over and over again and that that consistency is really key i wrote emails for over for um i think it was for 10 years i did it every weekday i think i might have missed one but every weekday just consistently and uh yeah you build really strong relationships and you meet with people and they're like i feel like i know you you know then they then they um yeah, they meet my wife. They're like, I feel like I know you, you know. So it's it's like it it builds that it builds that depth. Yeah. Wow, I love this conversation, and I think this is one of those conversations that when you hear, you you listen to it over and over again because statistics, testing, trying, implementing, and just creating that world, you know, within your bubble is the best way to grow and feel like you're being heard because when people type on social media and there's crickets no likes no comments it's like no one's listening to me but if you send an email consistently and then one day you just get a response or you get a sale it's like i've been speaking but i've also been speaking life into someone that to the point where marketing is where that overall you know performance comes into play because one thing i read um not too long ago was People don't like being sold to, but whenever you're top of mind and they're ready to buy and you're the person that they think of, that's where you draw that line between you and the person that had been trying to give you a 50% off sale on a daily basis, you know? Yeah, and that's actually a really good point. Like people don't like being sold to and you can't, you can't force anyone to, to buy, right? Like I read this book called New Sell there many, many years ago and he said it's all about making check moves he called it check moves so the more check moves you make the more the more you do right you're like the more sales you do so so if you're saying if you've got a list of like 100 people then you send an email out and it's sort of like making 100 check moves so to so to speak and yeah and then if you yeah if you've got a yeah you do something on linkedin and you maybe you get um 100 viewers view that and then there's 100 check, and it's just you're maximizing your your optionality, your opportunity. You go to a networking event and you meet 20 new people, um, and and it's incredible what can happen. Which is which is interesting. I, I went to a um, I never used to believe in networking favor really because I, I come from a very direct response background, right? And then I sat down one day and uh, I read the book 8020 Manager by Richard Koch, and I sat down one day and I went, where are all my best clients come from? And I started to write it down and I'm like, oh, they came, I'm like, like 80% of them came, yeah, they came from networking, but the networking that, that happened, it was like, it wasn't like I met you at a networking event and I call you up the next day and I'm like, hey, favor, buy my stuff. It was more around, um, yeah, it was more around, I meet you and you introduce me to someone else and they introduce me to someone else and someone else. And then I meet this person and they become yeah, $100,000 client or whatever sort of thing. So it's like, it's like five or six, it's like five or six deep. And I noticed all this happening. I'm like, wow, that is, 
it had always been happening, but I wasn't aware of it. And that's where you also want to think with, you know, whatever it is, whether it's email or, or any sort of posting that you're doing is, you know, by having that, by building your, it's building your network, it's building your trust, it's building your relationships. And then Richard Koch says, we've got, you've got your red cards. I think he calls them red and green, right? Your red cards is like your skills. Like I'm a copywriter, I'm a doctor, I'm a, whatever your skill is. And you can't have many of them. You can have, you know, one or two, maybe most people will have. Says then you've got your green cards, which is your loose connections. Um, And it's also how many people know about you, right? So if you're very insular and you just, I know people are incredible at what they do, but they don't, yeah, they don't. Re- nobody really knows about them, so they don't. They don't actually thrive um, career-wise. But so, if you're really insular and you go, "Oh, I'm scared of sending out an email," um, and nobody's going to know about you, so how are they going to call you? And how are you going to maximise that optionality? It's it, it's crazy. So it all. And the reason I mentioned network and this is because it it all interconnects, right? It, the whole thing, all of marketing inter, yeah. Inter, interconnects um, to be to be about trust and relationships. And so, if we're using AI, the important thing to to really ask is: Is this building a stronger relationship with my list, uh, or with the pe- not even my list, with people? You know, with my my potential customers um, or potential referrers. And that's a critical thing to really be um, asking for: is making sure whatever AI we're doing is super relevant so true so so true i'm so happy you're able to join us today scott and just give us this not like i'll call it a nugget of knowledge because you know people have been asking questions and trying to figure out how to navigate this thing what is chat gpt what do i use it for okay and now i know what to use it for where do i apply it there are so many places but i think what you've said is building the relationship starting off with that email that question that thought you know that action point is what's going to change everything and i and i'm so glad and i'm grateful for you to have joined us today on the we don't play podcast show just to shed some light on you know what people are thinking and going through because this ai thing is a craze right now but i know it's going to be something that will benefit us all knowing that we're using it for the right people and the right things for the right reasons yeah, yeah, no, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me. It's been a really, uh, really uh, fun chat, which I which I knew it would be. So yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I'm sure some people may want to work with you, connect with you, find out more about you. What options do they have available so they can be able to connect with you after this? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So they can go to if you want to find out specifically about all the AI stuff. Um, like AI email copywriting, go to simpleemailroi.com. If you want to get in touch with me from a copywriting perspective, um, Scott, uh, sorry, copywritingthatsells.com.au, you'll find me me there. And if you want to shoot me an email, it's uh, scott at copywritingthatsells.com.au. Amazing. And guys, if you're looking for this too, it's in the description notes as always. So feel free to tap on the link or just rewind this so you can be able to get this and clip it and just make sure you're able to reach out to Scott. So this has been amazing. I can't wait to bring you back. I really appreciate your time. And thank you so much for spending your morning with us here on the We Don't Play podcast show. Yeah, yeah, likewise, and, and likewise with your uh, your afternoon. So we'll, um, <laughs> uh, 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 
we'll, we'll chat again soon. Definitely. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Simon. You're welcome.